Amen. Sweet. <clears throat> it's, it's, I love how the way God works out things, and even tonight, just with that last song, Amazing Grace. And how many here, the Lord has transformed your life. You're not the same person you were before. It's just like, it's so amazing to know that when we trust God and His Word, it changes us. You know, and I, I, I can think of. Uh, people in my life and maybe in your life where you've watched them and you've seen them transform, correct? They were once blind, but now they, they were once lost, and now they are. And tonight we're going to take a look at a passage in the book of John chapter 5 about a man who was ill, who was crippled, who could not move or walk, but knew he needed to find healing, and if you're here tonight and, and you need a healing, uh, a touch, maybe tonight you're feeling a bit empty and you need to be filled. Maybe uh, you have a barren womb and you want God to touch. And maybe tonight you're just emotionally drained and you need the joy of the Lord. We're going to learn a little bit of how to obtain uh, a touch from the Lord, how to receive a word from the Lord. In John chapter 5, it talks about a man and a pool. It's kind of funny. It's a man in misery at a pool party. That's kind of what it's about. And you're going to read this. You're going to see what happens here. But tonight's uh, study is called Stirred Up to Get Up. Can you all say that? Stirred Up to Get Up. You don't sound very stirred up. One more time. Stirred Up to Get Up. One, two, three. Stirred Up to Get Up. So we got some hand motions, right? So Stirred Up. Go like this. Stirred Up, stirred up. to Get Up. So guess what you got to do? Get up. Get up. Okay. Get up. Get ready. I'll do it. Stirred up to get up. All right. All right. Let's try this again, folks. Try it again. Together. Todo. Toda la gente. Okay, ready. Sit down. Sit down again. Okay, ready. Ready? Wait. One, two, three. Stirred up to get up. Give yourselves a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some of y'all, I ain't going to sit down again. I'm just going to stand up, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, John chapter 5, a story about a man that we're going to read about. And as we look at the word of God, uh, I pray that you would hear his voice. Because that's the most important voice we need to hear tonight, isn't it? It's really the spirit of God. It's the word of God. In John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. Everyone say that. Bethesda. One more time. Bethesda. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of six, sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Can we say stirred up the water? Stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity of 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Can we read that again? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. One, two, three. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was a Sabbath. I'm going to jump to verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus, that it was Jesus who made him well. Let's pray. Father God, we come tonight and thank you that you make us well. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. It's those that are in need. And so God, you know all of us are in need of you tonight. 
So, Father, would you stretch down your hand towards heaven and would you touch hearts? Would you, would you renew our minds? Would you heal us of diseases? Would you re, re, obliterate bitterness in our hearts, God? Would you take away those things in our lives that are hindering us from following you tonight, God? That you would be glorified, Lord. That you would receive the honor that's due your name. So, God, thank you for being here with us. We love, we love, we love your presence with us, God. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So tonight, as we read, read this story, a uh, story about this man who was crippled. And it's interesting because there's a couple of things that happen here. It says in the first couple, first couple of verses, Jesus, he's on his way to a feast up to Jerusalem. And he's on his way up to Jerusalem. There's this sheep gate and this pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means flowing water, but it also means house of mercy. Can everyone say house of mercy? That's a good place to take a, take, a, take a swim, isn't it? In the pool that's called the house of mercy. And as he's approaching this area, there's this uh, pool called Bethesda, which means house of? Okay. And there's all these people who are ill. You got the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they're there and they're waiting for something to happen. Jesus is fully aware of what they're waiting for. But as this group of people are waiting, they're hoping, they're wishing, they're anticipating that when the angel stirs up the water, they'll be the first one to get into the pool. And this is the context that this is, this is coming from. And I want to encourage you tonight, when you get home, go ahead and read this again and ask the Lord to show you some other things. But I want to share a couple of things tonight that I believe were, have been applicable in my own life and, and prayerfully in your own life. But the one thing I, I want to turn to real quick, put your finger there in John chapter 5, turn, turn to Psalm 41, verse 4, a Psalm of David. And prayerfully, this is going to set the tone for the rest of the study. But in Psalm 41, verse 4, Yeah, Psalm 41, 41, versículo 4. Okay, so for all my Spanish-speaking friends. Um, so Psalm 41, verse 4. It says, David said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Let me read that to you again. If you have a highlighter or pencil, underline this. Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. I love, I love David because he's so gut-wrenching, honest with the Lord. He's like, uh, Lord, uh, be merciful, because I know I'm, a, I'm not such a great, a great guy. I lie, I murder, I commit adultery. Uh, Lord, be merciful to me. And he says this, heal my soul. And, and prayerfully tonight, there may be some physical maladies, physical ailments here tonight, but I pray more importantly than the physical it's the spiritual, it's a soul that gets healed tonight. That that's really what we want God to touch. You know, that no matter what, a praise report, as I prayed for Papa Louie, the outward man is the king, but the inward man, he's got the joy of the Lord. Because he know, you know why? Because he knows where he's going. One sweet day he will be with his maker, the one who created him, like all of us. And so David says, Heal my soul, for I've sinned against you. And tonight is kind of a, a bit of a healing service. I, I, one of the first churches I went to when I was about 21, 22 years old was a Pentecostal church. Any here from a Pentecostal background, right? I love, love, love Pentecostal churches because they have to worship for three hours, right? And you're just going and going and going. But they would have these Sunday night healing services, and people would come to the altar and be healed, right? And the pastor would touch them. Sometimes they'd fall back. Sometimes they have a little convulsion. Sometimes they'll say, I'm healed on all this. But, but the cool thing was, regardless of what was going on, that individual understood that was the hand of God. But if we think about it, if it's the hand of God, whether in church, in my car, and we know he's come to heal, then every time I come into contact with Jesus, guess what? He wants to heal my soul. Every time you open up the word of God, we're messed up. Anyone know that? Anyone know that you're messed up? You're damaged goods. Sorry to tell you this. You are damaged. 
But Jesus saved us. And what he does, he mends our broken hearts, doesn't he? He takes the pieces and he somehow, some way, puts it back together again that we might be able to love others. So Jesus here, in this particular passage, he comes upon this man. And it says, verse 3, that there was a great multitude. There was the sick, the lame, uh, those that uh, could not walk, those that were blind. And you could consider this a myth, a traditional fable, that when the actions of this angel would occur, everyone would be waiting to jump in. Could you imagine that? Get a picture of this. There's a pool. Imagine there's a pool. And there's the blind. There's those who can walk. There's those who are paralyzed. Okay, check it out. The first one to jump in the pool. Well, the paralyzed guy, he can't even move. How is he going to get in the pool? The blind guy can't even see. Think about this. It's almost an impossible situation except for those that are a little bit stronger than the other guy. Our world calls it survival of the fittest. If you're strong enough, you're going to win. And somehow in, we're ingrained in our society to think that way, aren't we? Aren't we, right? Those who work for a company, you got to kind of push and shove to make your way up, isn't it? That's, that's our society, that's our world. But how contrary is Jesus? He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be the servant of all. Instead of being on the top, you're going to be on the bottom. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so in this particular fable, uh, this is an old school, uh, what do you call it, an uh, urban legend, right? This is old school where he, they had the thought that if whoever's the first one to jump in would happen. And whether or not it was an angel, whether or not it was superstition, it almost matters not because God can work through anything, couldn't he? He can work through anything and everyone. If he can work through uh, an animal to be used in the life of any individual, he can use the stirring of the water in this pool of Bethesda. And it says that there was a man who was, had an infirmity of 38 years. If you go throughout the Bible, numbers always mean something. And one of the few places that I was able to research where the number 38 is used in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Numbers. And it refers to the Israelites. Now, how many of you guys understand how many years were the Israelites uh, in the wilderness? 40 years, right? But it says that 38 years they were in Kadesh Barnea. They were in this area where they shouldn't have been. Check this out. The Israelites are supposed to go in. Get the, get the commandments and come out. That was, that was a plan. But because in true form, the Israelites, they complained, they griped, they were hungry, and, G- and the Lord gave them what? Manna. They wanted meat, and God gave them whale, right? He had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by the day. They wanted water. It was bitter. Moses made it sweet every single time. And in a sense, as they complained about where God, what God was doing, they spent 38 years in Kadesh uh, Barnea. In other words, this, this word means wandering in the wilderness. 38 years. Okay, show of hands. Okay, you don't have to do this. Show of hands. If you're under the age of 38, right, raise your hand. Age of 38. All right. Ooh, good. I'm, a, I'm on the older side. All right, good, good, good. So 38 years... This man had been dealing with his infirmity. And it doesn't say exactly what this infirmity was. But in the midst of that, most of you remember, uh, Moses sent out 12 spies to spy at the land. I spy with my little eye the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. Ten come back. and says, there's giants over there. We can't do this, Mo. We can't do this, Moses, Right? Joshua and Caleb's like, yeah, there's giants, but there's some big old grapes. (laughs) The two, Joshua and Caleb, who make it to the promised land saw the grapes. The ten who didn't make it to the promised land saw the giants. I'll tell you this. If you want to be used of God, see it through God's eyes and not your own eyes. There will always be giants in the land, won't there? So church, you better get used to it. And you better learn how to fight the good fight of faith. 
And so when it comes to you and I, and where God says, I want you to scout out the land. I want you to transfer your job and move to that new area. But God, it's just, it's just different. I don't know anybody. God's, I put those giants there for you so that you would mature, that you would grow. As a result, they decided to say, we're going back to Egypt. We're going back to Egypt. We're going back to Egypt. And God says, I don't think so. And so as they come to that point, because of their unbelief, they wander in the wilderness for about 38 years. This man by the pool of Bethesda wandered in his heart, wandered in the wilderness, even though he was stationary. Could you imagine that? Every day, day out, whenever that water was stirred, he'd see someone jump in and come out different. Day in, day out. And if you could understand this, and maybe you've been there, or maybe you're there tonight, you're losing hope. You're the single mom or single dad, and you see all these great things happening with everybody else except for you. You're the guy who's been at work for 15 years, and you see everyone else being promoted above you because they're maybe more intelligent. Maybe they have more education. People in your family who you know are doing wrong are somehow being blessed by God. And there's a part of you that's just kind of losing hope kind of wondering, what about me, God? Have I not been serving you? Have I not been doing what you've called me to do? This is the plight of this man as he's watching and waiting to jump into that pool and be healed. Church, uh, the Israelites, they allowed opposition to overwhelm them from overtaking the land that was promised to them. Let's not let opposition overwhelm us from overtaking the land that God has promised to you. The victory that God has given to you is yours. You just got to get it stirred up and get up. You just got to claim it. And I'm not talking about naming and claiming. I'm just saying this is what Jesus said and this is mine. And way too often as believers, we need to learn how to pray. I love, love, love prayer warriors. Any prayer warriors in the house of God today? Y'all should say yes, yes, okay, good. But I love when they pray and they say, God, I believe you're going to do this, right? One of the first times I went to go pray for someone in the hospital. And it's such a daunting experience, you know. Uh, I'm like, I don't know the people. I'm there and we're praying for them and they come to you and they're like, okay, the pastor is here. He's going to pray and our, and our loved one's going to be healed, Right? And they're hoping and, and, and wishing this is going to happen. But what happens when they're not healed? Is God still God? Yes. So as we see what's happening here, this man with his infirmity for 38 years, he somehow settled in. Because the Bible says he is laying there with his bed. He made that home. It was almost maybe even as the water was stirred, he didn't even try anymore. He felt defeated. He felt like even if I try, I'm not going to be able to jump in. And maybe some of us tonight are in that spot. There's too many giants. There's, there's just too much going on, God. I, 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 can't, I can't try anymore. I've got no more fights in me. In your marriage, you're thinking, you know what? It's just better not to even talk because all we do is fight. With your prodigal children, you know, I'm not just, they're just going to do what they need to do and I'm going to let them go. But that's not God's perfect plan, is it? As we see what goes on here, this man, he was all around sick people. See, one of the easiest ways for us to be comfortable and to be complacent and to be okay where we're at is if we're with other people who are okay with where they're at. Correct? Right? Was it uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33? Evil company corrupts good habits, right? Who you hang out with, who you choose to put around you will somehow influence you. You ever been around people and they have certain slang words and all of a sudden after a period of time of hanging out with them, you start to pick up some of their slang words, right? 
We went to the south, and now I can't get a, rid of y'all. I say y'all. How many of you guys have heard me say that? I got that when we went on a mission trip to Mississippi. That's, that's how it happened. You just carry these things, right? Sickness. Sickness, sickness, sickness. Anyone here been sick over the past month? Oh, man. My house has been not the house of mercy, the house of sickness. We've had the house of congestion, the house of coughing, and the house of mocos, okay? So that's all it's been, constant from one child to the next. To me, it's just like constantly, and I'm like, God, I want a house of mercy. Be merciful to us. We're tired of being sick. See, who you surround yourself will infect you. This man was surrounded with a bunch of sick people who were probably in the same state, who probably has lost hope, who probably thought, why try? Why bother? Why should I witness to my friend again? He's not going to listen. Why should I pray for that relative? They're never going to come to the Lord. And, and you, you get this kind of like defeatist attitude and think it's not going to happen. Well, you know what you need to do in those moments? Remember who your daddy is. It's Abba Father. And there's nothing too hard for my God, for our God to do. When Jesus saw him, when Jesus saw this man who had been having this infirmity for 38 years, the Bible says in verse 6 that he saw him lying there and he already knew he had been sick for a long time in this condition. And be reminded, it doesn't say what his condition is, okay? And he says, do you want to be made well? Now, if I were one of the disciples there where Jesus is like, Jesus, of course he wants to be made well. He's here, he's waiting for the pool to be stirred. There's all these sick people. Why wouldn't he? Come on, Jesus. You know everything, so of course you know he wants to be healed, Right? But as I started to think about this, Jesus was assessing the situation. This man made himself comfortable. He was laying there. He was just, he was okay with accepting his plight. Why did Jesus ask? He says, do you, it's a personal question, do you want to be made well? Do you want a healing? That's what Jesus was asking. Are you willing to be made well? I do know this. Not everyone who's down wants to be picked up. Anyone know someone who's maybe addicted to substances? They say they want help, correct? But when you try to help them, you can't do anything for them. They have to make that personal choice, correct? You know anyone who's going, uh, any relative or friend going from one relationship to the next, trying to satisfy that love factor? And you try to extend a hand to them, but they forget. See, this is what's going on here. Is that real simply, Jesus was asking because he knows that this man maybe wanted to be healed, but he was okay where he's at. Um, can I just tell you something, folks? Book of Philippians says, forget the things of the former. Forget these things of the past. But press on toward the goal of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Keep moving forward. It's, it's kind of the theme of Carrie Chapel South Valley. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward to what God wants. And as I started thinking about this, why did Jesus have to ask him? Was it a rhetorical question? I think because this man had been so discouraged. He had lost all hope. It was almost like this man who maybe had withered legs had a heart that was withering away. Galatians says, don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. My brothers and sisters, run this race. And when it gets tough, get someone to pray for you and keep running. And when you break a leg, keep running. No, just get healed and keep running, right? So as you and I continue to walk with the Lord, we have to have that understanding. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? It wasn't a question of ability, Jesus didn't say, do you think you can find a way to be made well? No, he asked him a personal question. Sir, do you want to be made well? And it's reasonable. It's, it's a fair question for Jesus to ask. This is a man's response. It says, a sick man answered. 
Answered Jesus. He says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool where the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. The man pretty much answers, Yes. Yes, I want to be healed, but I don't see how this is going to happen. Uh, there's no way for me to get in the pool because everyone else beats me. So this is what he says. He says, I have no man. I'm alone. I can't do this on my own. He says, I have no one to put me in the pool. I need someone to help me. He says, while I'm coming, someone gets in before me. He says, they always beat me. It's really a yes or no answer, isn't it? Jesus says, you want me, do you want to be made well? And what does he do? Well, I do, but this, 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 and this, and this. Has that ever happened to you? Well, he says, you want me, to, you want that? Yeah, but, uh, you see, uh. uh, we're good. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at excuses. Anyone here good at excuses? I'm, I'm, I'm in a fair group. Moses said, I can't speak to Pharaoh because I stutter. Jeremiah said, I'm just way too young. We are really good at excuses rationalizations, justifications, right? Why we can't do certain things. And we've kind of uh, adopted that into our philosophy as Americans, right? That, um, and we get it from our great, 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 great grandparents, right? In the very book of Genesis, you know, in the very book of, in the very beginning of the book of Genesis and just how God was there and, and as uh, Adam and Eve were there, they ate of the fruit. As they ate of the fruit, God comes. So what happened? What did Adam say? It was the woman you gave me. What did Eve say? It was the serpent you put in the garden. One thing I want to share with you tonight is um, no more blame game. <laughs> what, what do I mean by that? Okay. So the sick man answers, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred, but I'm coming another steps down before me. This man was making an excuse. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Uh, Jesus, the man didn't even answer the question, did he? He didn't even say yes or no. He already had an excuse. Aren't we good when we get in trouble? No one ever here gets in trouble, right? So why didn't that happen? Well, you see... We learn it at an early age in school. What do most children say happens when they don't do their homework? My dog ate the homework, right? We, we teach our children well at an early age, right? So he's almost like saying, if I wasn't alone, I'd be, so if someone was there to help me, uh, maybe he's like, this always happens to me. Don't you know how, how hard my life has been? Don't you know year after year, sitting here waiting on my bed and nothing happens? I just can't get past the hurt. As a matter of fact, I'm just bitter. And you can see how this perpetually would continue. He became fixated on his personal failures and the faults of other people. I don't know. Do we do that? Focus on our personal failures, and fixated at other people's faults towards us? Are you harboring anything in your heart tonight against somebody? Are there things going on in the midst of your family? Are you casting blame? We hear it all the time. All you have to do is watch a talk show. They have these guests on there, and what do they say? Well, because I didn't have a, a father figure. Well, because I was molested. And all these are granted great reasons as to why the way they are, but no one ever takes responsibility for why they do what they do, do they? Because of my economic struggle, because of the color of my skin, because, 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 because. And we could have a whole list as to reasons to why I do and I say. But ultimately, I, I'll tell you this, we all have one problem, and it's sin. And God has called us to a life that's above that. 
See, he can almost even say, I, I, I can't walk because that other guy got in the pool before I did. How many of you have ever heard this? Well, if you, if you went through what I went through, then you would understand why I do what I do. You just don't know. You just don't get it. That's what this man's going through. Jesus, yes, you can heal me, but do you know what's happened? Do you know how they've hurt me? Do you know what they said about me? Look at the man lying on the bed, 38 years. He was down in the dumps. He was discouraged like we all get. But the interesting thing, while we're down in the dumps, discouraged, we never move forward. If we always cast blame, you'll always be the same. So there's got to be something within our hearts and our minds that says, God, I will take responsibility for this. See, this man had an opportunity. This is Jesus. This is, do you want to be made well? And this man's response wasn't, yes, I want to be made well. His response was, here's my excuses why I'm not well. The other thing I thought about, it just got comfortable. He's been in this state for so long. One commentator says, an Eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease. So obviously this man begged uh, for his livelihood. And it's often said, because if he got healed, guess what? Where does that money go? It's no longer there. So it became comfortable. He accepted his life and he was okay with it. And sometimes in our Christianity, we're okay with it because we're familiar with it. There's no surprises, right? It's easier to settle than to change. Sometimes we can be more comfortable in our present misery than taking a couple steps to be free. Many years ago, I counseled with a woman, and she was praying for her unsaved husband. And I would meet with her occasionally, and she says, please, please pray for my husband to get saved, you know? Because he, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, he lets me do whatever I want to do. He lets me come to women's Bible study. He lets me go on mission trips. He lets me all this. But she says this, but I know once he gets saved, things are going to change, Right? She was almost dreading, if he gets saved, then he's going to want me to submit. Right? If he gets saved, then he's going to want me to be home. If he gets saved, and sometimes we're, we have the idea that we want to be changed, but are we willing to take everything that comes along with it? Remember Jesus? He says, come follow me. Uh, i got to bury my dad. He's not dead yet, but when he gets, you know, when I go to the funeral, then I'll follow you. Yes, that's what I will do. There's a cost in following Jesus, isn't there? And some of you have lost friendships, even family, maybe even some employment as a result of following Jesus. This man was in a place where he allowed his affliction, where he allowed his condition to conquer him, where he allowed his weakness to obliterate his heart and his mind, Hey, folks, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be burdens, difficulties, all these things that are going on in life. But don't let that stop your progress in Christ. Don't allow the things of this world, the things that people say, don't let them control your destiny. And let me, let me speak to the hearts here. If, and I speak from experience. If you're dealing with a grudge or bitterness towards someone, guess what? Your focus is on that bitterness and that grudge as opposed to the Lord. Is it not? And God wants you to get rid of that. Here's something encouraging though. God wants you to be a worshiper and a warrior. And don't let the wounds of this world prevent you from moving forward with Christ. Uh, in those moments when we think, um, in these moments like this individual by the poolside, 
we need to remember not to ever have that uh, spiritual amnesia where we forget how, how big our God is. There's a children's song that says, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. My God is so big and so mighty. There's nothing he cannot do for you. There is a book written many years ago uh, by J.B. Phillips that says, your God is too small. My God is big. My God is not confined to a box. Here this man is thinking, if I want to be healed, this is how it needs to get done. Jesus is saying, listen up, boy. This is how I'm going to heal you. I'm asking you a question. Do you want to be made well? And this is Jesus' response. What does Jesus say in verse 8? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus tells him to get up. You don't need the stirring of the water to get up. Jesus says, rise. But I love this because Jesus never calls us to do something that we're not capable of doing, correct? If he's called you, he's going to equip you to do whatever that is. When God calls you to a new job, he will give you the skills and the talents to do that because God's in control. When God puts you in a situation where you're talking about someone, uh, someone about, to someone about the Lord and you may not have the verses, what does the Bible say? That, that he's going to give you the words to speak even though you don't know those words to speak. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, rise. I love Jesus. He tells us to do the impossible, doesn't he? The impractical. Here is this man who has not been able to stand for 38 years or so. And Jesus says, get up. Rise. Reminds me of the, the, the story about the man with the withered hand. Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. Can you imagine? Everyone's watching around. Here is this man with their hand. He's like, okay, if I try to stretch it out and nothing happens, they're all going to laugh. And he's almost like, okay, okay. I'm going to stretch out my hand. Ready, set. And the Bible says he stretched out his hand and it was made whole just like the other. When God tells you to do something, obey his way. Do it. Do what God has called you to Corinthians says, his grace is sufficient for his power is perfected in weakness. And so even in those moments where you find yourself thinking, I cannot do this. And God's all, yes, I know you can't, but I can. His grace is sufficient. He will always give, always give you the grace to accomplish those things that are in your life. And God's ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much greater than our thoughts. And church, he's given us his Holy Spirit to take the great commission outside of these walls. So we have to have that understanding and it's time to get up. It's time, if you've been called to a certain work, to a certain ministry, to a certain family, to a certain a relationship, God will give you what you need in those situations. As a result, God will give you power and blessing and peace and grace. And one of my all-time go-to verses most of you know this. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Can we read this together? Ready? One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust. That's what our faith causes us to do. Trust. When you're going through difficulties and circumstances, whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, trust. Trust the Lord with all your hearts. Don't lean on your, on your own understanding. Uh, you're never going to understand God. Can I, can, I, can I say it again? You're never going to understand God. So why do we try to? Well, you see, I think God's going to do this. And then once he does that, then I know I can just do this after. And so once he answers that prayer and we try to figure God out, the scripture says, don't lean on your own understanding, right? For those of us that are, I'm going to say older, that are mature, 
For all those of us who are mature, and you look at the maybe uh, people who are teenagers who are younger, right? And you see some of the things they're doing, right? And you kind of think, oh, that's kind of foolish. Why would they do that? Well, at that age, it seems right, correct? How many here have done some foolish things in your younger days, right? How many here have gotten busted or hurt as a result of that, right? You think, how cool this is, right? I think I've shared the story before. When I was in high school, my friends, we said, we're going to jump off the Redondo Beach Pier. Idiot, right? You know, so here we are trying to look around. Okay, here we go. We're going to jump. And then, and I'm always the first one, and everyone's, and, and they don't jump, and guess who jumps? And I'm in the water, and I see a security guard up there. Young man, get out of the water, right? I got beat down like crazy. Okay, so when, when, when we go through those moments, when we go through those moments in our life where it's to obey or disobey, obey God's way. There's always blessing in that. And maybe it's not outwardly blessing that you would think, but guess what? You're serving your God when you obey him. Is there an area in your life where it's, it's been tough to obey God? He's saying, rise, speak, stand, pray. That's been challenging. It's been tough. He says, not only rise, he says, take your bed. Now, imagine 38 years lying on this little bed mat. Whoo, little, a little stank, right? Just like it's been there for a while. I don't know if it's been washed. But he says, take your bed. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this in a minute here. I was thinking about this. Why, why, did, why did Jesus heal this man? Okay, if we go through a real quick history of when Jesus is healed. Jesus is healed because of someone's faith, correct? Jesus is healed because someone had faith other than the person that was being healed. In this particular instance, Jesus doesn't say, your faith has made you well. It says nothing. Jesus just healed because he was sovereign. The man didn't have to do anything other than just obey God. I love that. Haven't there been moments in your life where God just absolutely blesses you? It's like, where did that come from? I didn't deserve that. Bethesda, house of mercy. That's why. He's just being merciful and gracious towards us. If we jump to verse 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus found this man in the temple. And he says to this man, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing happen to you. So what goes on in this particular passage here is that Jesus finds this man. And obviously, we get a little background now. He was in this state for 38 years because Jesus said here, you've been made well. Sin no more. Sin probably got him to that state that he was in. And he says here, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus was concerned about not the physical state of this man, because remember, he's healed. He's more concerned about the spiritual state of this man. He was was brought to this point where he was unable to walk, laying down on a bed mat because of his own choices. So what did he do? If I was there, so Jesus, what did that, what did the crippled man do? That you're saying sin no more. I I just want to pray for him. Just, Just let me know what happened, Jesus. Are we like that? We'll just, what, what happened? Because I, I just want to give it to the Lord. You're just being nosy. That's all, right? I mean, just. So Jesus says, sin no more. Stop doing what you've been doing before because if you keep doing it, it's going to be worse. If you've ever been walking with the Lord and you take a little, hit a little speed bump and you, and you backslide for a little bit, Right? Isn't it worse because you know the Lord? It's worse because you're doing exactly what God delivered you from and you go back, the Bible said, like a dog goes back to his vomit. That's just gross. Have you ever seen that? How many seen your dogs do that, right? And they lap it up and then they kiss you. Oh, you know what I mean? That's just, oh, right? But as a dog goes back to his vomit, he's saying here, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Keep moving forward. When God has healed you and God has restored you, don't look back. Don't be like Lot's wife and look back and turn to a pillar of salt. 
Don't go back to the world like Demas did. Don't go back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Many things have occurred in this, and we need to learn how to take care of ourselves, take care of our faith. Do you realize you've been given the miracle of salvation? Anyone here been given the miracle of salvation? Right? God says, take care of it. Philippians says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do something with it. Carry it out. Pray it out. See, this man who was by the pool of Bethesda remained in the same state for 38 years. I pray for most of us, we don't remain in the same spot we are with Jesus for 38 years. That 38 years symbolic of wandering, aimlessly going about with no purpose. God is giving you a great purpose. Fulfill the destiny God has made for you in your life. That's what he's called us to. And I love this because remember Lazarus? Jesus said, come out of the grave. And what's the first thing he told Martha and Mary? Take off his grave clothes because it's dirty. It's stinky. And sometimes when we come to Christ, we got to take off those dead clothes. Jairus' daughter, he raised her from the dead. They said, give her something to eat. God does the impossible. We do the possible. When God has healed you, when God has touched you, do what he's called you to do. And whatever that is, whether it's uh, sharing Jesus, whether it's going along those ways. And the last thing I want to share, verse 15, says, the man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus who made him well. Prior to this, the uh, religious rulers came to uh, this man and says, who healed you? Didn't you know it was the Sabbath? You're carrying a mat. You can't carry a mat. You can't do anything on the Sabbath. And so they weren't even nailing Jesus for healing him. They were nailing Jesus for telling him to carry his mat. That was the whole Sabbath issue here. And so as that was going on, Jesus now comes to him and he says, sin no more, lest the worst thing come, come upon you. And finally, it says, the man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus who made him well. Um, when God has done a work in your life, share his story. Share history with Jesus. I, I believe Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. I believe he carried that bed to remind him where he came from. To simply remind him that this is where he was. I was once crippled, unable to walk, and now I'm walking around town carrying my bed. It was almost like uh, someone says, hey, what, what's, that? what's up with the bed? Oh, well, let me tell you. See, for 38 years, I couldn't walk, and I was sitting by this pool. And they kept going in the pool, and I never got healed. And then there's man, Jesus. He came, and he said, rise. And I said, I can't rise. Yes, you can. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Imagine this man's testimony. Imagine the impact that had on the person. He carried his bed to remind them where he was, but also to tell people who he is. Your testimony, that, I, that's not a typo. Share his story. Share your history with Jesus. Share how he has delivered you, how he's conquered sin in your life, how he's done these various things. Remember the work of God in your life. I like to always say, we have an opportunity to show off God. You do. Your former misery is future ministry. Some of you come here today and you're like, oh, I really don't want to share about that because that's just like, oh, that's just so personal. That's so this. But it's his story. You are, let me tell you this, you are merely a supporting actor. Jesus, he's the center of attention. You're a supporting role. So share his story. Share how you were looking for love in all the wrong places. Now you found the one true love. Share how you were blind to sin and in, engage in uh, uh, drugs and all this and that lifestyle. And now he's given you a new life. 
share his story. This man, the Bible says, it says, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So tonight, um, you may be here and you're waiting for the water to be stirred. And you're hoping and waiting when it does, you're going to jump in. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to be made well. Let me tell you this. Jesus says, just rise. Just get up. Take your bed. And walk. Sometimes we complicate our faith, don't we? Anyone do that? Where God says, rise. So how far do I rise? And when do I rise? And do I have to wear this when I rise, Jesus? Jesus, rise. Take your bed. You mean this bed right here? This, this thank you old bed I've been on 38 years? Jesus, like, is there any other bed? I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes we're like, Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk out your faith. See, I love this. Um, This man was looking for the cure. He was looking for something when he should have been looking for someone. He was looking for the cure, but Jesus was the cure. And way too often we're looking for all these things aimlessly, and there is just one that's needful, and his name is Jesus. So all of us have a story where you've come from, like this man. At the same time, maybe lately you've been in, you've been stuck. You've been in a rut. You've been hanging out, maybe not 38 years, but 38 days, just kind of wandering aimlessly in your walk with the Lord. Maybe a desert. And you need a breakthrough. But sometimes you need to break down first before the breakthrough happens. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm going to keep it real here. Sunday night, I was sitting over there in that section, and Brandon was leading worship, and he sang the song, The Heart of Worship. How many here on Sunday night sang The Heart of Worship? And that song broke me. Uh, I, I wasn't doing anything crazy or anything like that, but just knowing your heart that you kind of drift a little bit, right? Kind of like your devotion, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, just, ah. Oh. And I remember just sitting there just like, forgive me, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. Somewhere down the line, we forget and we forsake our first love. And we put all these admirable things above God. And he takes second position and third position. And so tonight, maybe it, it is about, God, I, I need you to touch me. I need you to speak to me. Would, would you stir my heart that I would get up and walk out my faith? Let's pray. Father God, we just want to come to you tonight and we ask Jesus that you would speak to us, even as we close out in the song. And God, you know the hearts of all of us. And, and, and there are some here that are a distance from you, God. There are some here, Father, who are walking so close and tightly with you. And there's some here that are sick, that need a healing, God. Just like the scene at the pool of Bethesda, all kinds of people. And they're all waiting for a miracle when all they needed to wait for was you, Jesus. So I pray that for us, even tonight, God. That we, we, we don't need a miracle, we just need you, Jesus. And so we ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts even now. Thank you that you pursue us with your love. That your heart is that you would remove the guilt and the shame and replace it with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. But God, maybe there's some here tonight that are pursuing other things other than you. 
and the night you want to interrupt their lives and bridge the gap between them and you. So tonight, if you're here tonight and, and you're not walking with the Lord, you don't have a right relationship with him, or maybe you've drifted, and you just know tonight is all about a healing service, you being healed, him touching you, him renewing your faith. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, and you just know right here, right now, this is the place God has called you to do it. That you would listen to the Lord speak to you. If you know tonight that you need to rededicate your life or, or accept Jesus into your heart, I'm going to ask you to do something real, real crazy. I'm going to ask you to rise. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're here tonight, amen. If you're here tonight and you know your relationship with the Lord needs to be made right, anyone else, just stand up. Doesn't matter, I can't see you, it's dark, so it doesn't matter. God sees you as you stand, because that's the most important thing. When Jesus said to rise, this man rose. And even though he thought he couldn't, he did. Anyone else? Anyone else that just needs to know that their relationship needs to be mended with the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Father God, you see these that stand, and they stand not to be seen but only to be seen by you. And Jesus, I ask, God, that you would woo them, you would bring them into a right relationship with you. So God, would you speak to their hearts? Would you minister to them? In Jesus' name. Remain standing. I'm going to have you come down, and we're going to have the pastors just pray over you. So if you're standing up today because Jesus says, rise, Take your bed and walk. It was an outward sign that Jesus was doing in their hearts. So if you're standing there, come right down. Right here in the front, we'll meet you. Come right down that we might pray over you. Come on down. Amen. Amen. Come on down. Meet up with the pastors. If you're here tonight to receive Jesus, if you're here to rededicate your life, whatever it is, come and receive the living water. Receive his touch. While we're doing that, let me do one more thing. There's somebody here today that need a physical healing. I told you it was going to be a healing service, right? There's somebody here today that need to be touched by God. And maybe it's not even physical. Maybe it's spiritual or emotional. I'm going to ask you to stand. So if tonight you need that healing, that touch. You've been by the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy for too long. Anyone else? You just need that touch and that healing. Right, amen. If you're around these people, I want you to lay hands on them. I'm gonna, we're going to pray for them. So if you see anyone standing up as the body of Christ, as the church, you lay your hand. You put your hand on their shoulder. You grab their hand, whatever it is. And we're going to pray for them right now. That God would heal them of whatever that is. Whatever is ailing them, whatever is going on in their life, that they will know tonight that they have met with Jesus. Amen. God, you see those that are standing here that are desiring a healing, desiring a touch from you, Lord. Only you can do that, not us. So I ask, God, that you would go to any area of their life that is not well. God, we pray, Father, that if there's anyone here that has cancer or some terminal illness, God, that you would bring that comfort and peace that only you can. God, if someone here is struggling emotionally with something that's gone on in their past right now, God, that you would wipe that away and you would help them to let go of those hurts and those pains, God. Father, if there are any here today, God, that just need to know that they're loved by you, that you're a good, good father, you would remind them that tonight, God, that they would walk away with the hope of heaven, God, they would walk away knowing that you've heard their cry, that you've heard their plea. Thank you, God, that you, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, God. Would you cover your church even now, God? Would you bring healing and restoration? Would you bring a, a revival in our hearts, God, that we would be able to share your story with others, God? So, Father, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you want to continue to do in the lives of your church. This is your body. 
So thank you, God, for giving us this time. May you be glorified. Receive all the glory and the honor, God. It's all you, Jesus. So we thank you, God. We love you so much, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give that person a hug and tell them that they're loved by the Lord. And let's just continue to worship the Lord as the body of Christ.